Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And hey, again, we are so blessed to have our very dear friend, Mr. Sean Buckley, on the show with us. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming back for another episode. We're going to have you on today and tomorrow, and we're really grateful you uh, taking your time uh, out of your busy schedule from uh, writing about tech and stuff like that to, to come on the show and talk Ghostbusters with us. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a pleasure. It's one of my favorite movies. You're some of my favorite people. I, I can't see a better way to spend a morning. It's a great way to spend a morning. But uh, Sean, for, for our listening audience out there who may not be familiar with your work, can you tell them real quick what it is you do that makes you Sean Buckley? What I, well, what I do for work, <laughs> at least, question, yeah. <laughs> is... Uh, as, as I play, or no, I don't play anything. I write about uh, uh, tech news and video games and laptops and nonsense for uh, for Engadget.com. And my free time, I do whatever my wife tells me. I play a bunch of video games. And I make really uh, I make YouTube videos about Ghostbusters and Back to the Future and other thing on YouTube.com slash Seanicus, S-E-A-N-I-C-C-U-S. That's Seanicus with two Cs. That's a weird thing to say. Do you live just a short six-hour drive away from Disneyland? Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we 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 spent the last uh, couple years as annual pass holders coming down once every month or so. It's it kind of it, it's one of the reasons we stopped. We didn't renew this year is just because it kind of precludes any other vacation because it's like oh we have some we have a day or two let's go to Disneyland. Yeah. Um, but they do such an amazing job crafting a park experience down there. So are you going to be? I know that uh, last year you and another friend of ours, Alexis, did a bike trip through Japan, right? Right, that's true. That was that was that was actually this year. That was during May. And while you were on the trip, you got to go to uh, Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Seas, right? Yes, we do. We would like to, when we get the uh, the spare cash, we'd like to do a tour of um, uh, Disney uh, in Paris and the two parks that are in uh, in China now. Well, so the reason I bring all this up, and you're kind of like world traveling theme park uh, traveling thing. Are you? Do you have any plans of going to Dubai in the near future to see the Ghostbusters uh, section of the amusement park that's opening up over there? Oh, I read about that. I well, no, no plans to go to Dubai because yeah. boy, that's quite a flight. Um, but speaking of theme parks and Ghostbusters, when I was a child. I was always trying to get my parents to take me to Universal just because of the Ghostbusters firehouse exhibit they used to have. Oh yes, did you ever get a chance to see it? I never did. I remember seeing pictures. It seemed like they put you in some sort of blue screen thing, and they like one person would get selected each day to do the Gozer scene. I always wanted to do that so bad, um, but I finally got to go to Universal Studios when I was uh, when I was an adult. That had been long gone. We searched around. We couldn't even find the remains of the of the uh, of the attraction. So, are you referring to the Universal Studios on the West Coast? Then are I think you... they both had it. Okay. I don't... Yeah. I don't remember which one. I just I just knew a Universal Studios had Ghostbusters, and as a kid, I always wanted to go to it, and I never got to. And I'm, I'm like, I, I, I wonder if there's any high quality footage of it somewhere. I could at least relive it vicariously. Oh, there is, and it is a very interesting attraction. It uses a lot of the Pepper's ghost effects that they had in, that they use in the haunted mansion in the ballroom. Scene. Oh yeah. Uh, but it is uh, varying levels of cheesiness, and it's one of those things that you look back on it. I mean, if, if you're a fan of theme parks, you have to accept a certain level of cheesiness going into it in order to enjoy the experience. You just kind of yeah, that's it. how it works. Yeah, but this one was just a whole another level. But uh, we're really excited that there's possibility for a future in Ghostbusters attractions now that Sony had severed the ties to Universal Studios to kind of have an open license to put Ghostbusters attractions anywhere they want. And right now, I'm sure Engadget probably heard about this, but uh, in New York City at Madame Tussauds, they have 
a virtual reality Ghostbusters experience uh, that's supposed to be out of this world. People oh, yeah. I, I, th- I heard it was one of those ones where they... Um, it's it's a full room VR and everything in VR has a physical object sort of around it so everything you touch feels real. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. It looks I, I don't know. I can't understand it. Yeah. The science behind it. I don't want to. I want to just go experience it and accept the fact that uh, it's real and that I'm actually in the movie. Yeah. Um, so we're really hoping that that comes to maybe uh, more theme parks and you know fingers crossed that Universal or Disney could pick that up and put them in or maybe even Six Flags. Yeah, heck, I don't care. Yeah, but uh, I could put that in some of their parks because it seems like it'd be really cool. So. Oh, yeah. VR is going to be a big deal in theme parks. If they can figure out how to keep it clean, I'm always a little worried that it's going to be like, you know, that that someone's going to sweat into the, right. the face oh, the well. faceplate. So as long as they can sort that out and the motion sickness things, you could do some really incredible stuff with it. Awesome. Well, hey, you guys ready to get into minute number 68 of Ghostbusters? Well, let's do it. Absolutely. Awesome. So in the previous minute, we saw the Con Edison utility specialist shut down the Ghostbusters containment grid. After the grid was shut down, paranormal energy blew out the roof of the Ghostbusters firehouse as Dana Barrett awoke from her sleep. At minute number 68, we can see more paranormal energy and light erupt from the roof of the Ghostbusters firehouse as all the trapped ghosts are unleashed upon New York City. At 68.06, onlookers watch the sky as paranormal explosions fill the air with a torrent of pink paranormal energy. At 68.15, Vince Clortho wanders off saying that this is the sign that was foretold. Janine responds that it's a sign, all right, a sign that they're going out of business. At 68.21, Ray Stance and Winston Zedmore arrive in the Ecto-1. At 68.30, Vince Clortho wanders off in amidst the chaos. At 68.34, Ray asks Egon and Vankman what happened. Egon tells Ray that Peck shut down the protection grid. Winston comments, oh, that's bad, isn't it? At 68.41, Vankman notices that the Keymaster has wandered off on his own. Egon freaks out as Ray asks, who's the Keymaster? At 68.46, Egon and Vankman take off after Vin's Clortho, but are stopped by Walter Peck, who demands that they be arrested. Peck tells the Ghostbusters that the Ghostbusters excuse me, tells the police that the Ghostbusters are in direct violation of the Environmental Protection Act and that the explosion is a result of it. Egon finally loses it and launches at him, yelling, Your mother! At 6858, as Egon lunges towards Peck, magic by Mick Smiley begins to play. And I, thus ends minute number 68. I gotta say, this is one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. And uh, it's when, um, just this whole thing, when they're getting arrested, this, this is no longer, or in this moment, is not a comedy at all. Yeah. Oh, you, no. were, you were watching just some really dark, very adult stuff. And uh, when Egon loses it, well, William Atherton's expression, like he can't believe it. And then um, the fact that you're seeing Egon, of all people, lose it. And yeah, he says, your mother, and that's kind of, you know, like goofy or whatever, but it's still... For him, that's pretty serious stuff. And uh, just the way Bill Murray is playing it, his expression towards uh, Peck and everything, I just think this is a really, really cool moment. And uh, every time I'm watching the movie, I actually have to like rewind it and watch it a couple of times because it's just, I don't know, it's very, it's, it's very well played out. It's the only moment in the entire film, maybe even both films, where Egon has an extreme reaction yeah, to right. something. And like, and like, your mother was actually kind of more of an 80s kind of insult, but it's like... It's just—it's almost shocking to see him oh, do yeah. anything but be like calm. It is. We had uh, a friend of the show, uh, Brad Mendenhall, from the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, on for an episode, and he remarked that Egon's uh, demeanor is like a Spock-like quality. He's very analytical, you know, has no emotion at all. And this is like the one moment where he really has like an outburst. In yeah, this is no emotion. Yeah. yeah, like normally Egon collects spores, molds, and fungus. When he was yeah. a child, when he was a child, he straightened a slinky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But like, but like here, he's like, you blew up my stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's incredible. And I think it's also really important because I think Egon is the reason they're in jail. 
Um, like I feel like like watching this part of the scene, the Ghostbusters were arrested for fighting, not because their their containment unit blew up. Right. It yeah. was like 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 Peck doesn't have the authority to be like, hey, arrest these guys. I protect the environment. Like they're not gonna listen to him. He's yeah. not their boss. But then Egon like punches him, and they're like, all right, don't fight. We gotta arrest you. Yeah. Yeah. That his demand would be the equivalent of after the Deepwater Horizon fiasco that the uh, heads of BP would have been thrown in jail immediately. When you know we're sitting here, we know that's not how the real world works. That it takes <laughs> right. a lot of litigation and, and legal time before anything happens and then you know stuff doesn't really even happen but uh yeah for him to demand that they be arrested yeah you're right he's constantly overstepping his authority here uh when we analyzed the uh, dialogue that he had when he met peter vankman there's a lot of inconsistencies with what he says now a lot of that was probably just dialogue that was written you know as filler there wasn't probably a whole lot of research into what the epa does but a lot of what he is doing here is just kind of like we don't know that he really has the authority. He's overstepping his bounds. This is a battle of ego between him and Peter Bankman at this point. He's probably used to being the big scary guy in New York that can come to your business and demand whatever he wants. You know, exactly. he's used to having that. It's like I'm with the EPA and having like the the restaurant that sells like tacos be like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Would you like a free meal? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's um, I, I don't know if he says these men or this man when he runs up and he says, you know, I want this man arrested. And he points to uh, Bankman. If he's saying this man, and it's, I don't know, it's just really cool that his um, affliction towards Venkman has just gotten to the point where he is just downright pointing at him, screaming at him, trying to get him arrested. and uh, he, he just wants to punish them for not yeah. respecting his authority. Yeah, exactly. So this movie, it's just, I don't know, man, There's, there ain't no, ain't no comedy no more. Like, it's serious yeah, stuff. Very serious I love the, uh, the editing in this minute, throughout this whole thing, and the song "Magic," I think, is a really cool song, and it's so fitting for this. The next, uh, you know, couple of sequences in the movie, but um, uh, I don't know, just how everything goes back and forth between Dana the and the shit hitting the fan, you know, outside of the firehouse, the firehouse which is just blown up, you know. There's and it's ironic that it's um, uh, related to firehouse and fire truck. There's a moment in the dark night where. The caravan of protection for Harvey Dent uh, is going through the city, and they pass up the roadblock that the Joker has put out there, which is a fire truck, which is on fire. So it's not <laughs> just a roadblock. It's a symbol of saying, like, hey, if the fire truck is on fire, who's going to put out the fire? You're all screwed. As the and Fox so, Antichrist would say, chaos reigns. There you go. And so um, you have a uh, fire station that is no longer the, – the headquarters of the Ghostbusters, which is no longer functioning. So we're all screwed. Right. It's like, yeah, that, that actually, I didn't think of it that way as a symbolism for how bad everything really is. Yeah. This is uh, the, uh, the, the, the discussion that was in a prior moment between uh, Ray Stance and Winston Zedmore in the car. This is the sixth seal, uh, or excuse me, the seal being broken as a sign of the apocalypse that they were talking about as well. This is, this is when it's happening. And it all started because two grown men, two professionals couldn't agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, right. yeah, go ahead. It's also a pivotal moment, I think, for uh, Lewis slash Vince in this scene. Like, this character, like, his world, like we were saying, he, he seems sort of like, uh, seems like Gozer's kind of doofy cousin who's just been given a job out of sympathy. And his whole world doesn't make any sense until this happens, and he's like, oh, this is it. This is a sign. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, for, for like, the first time ever, this character knows what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah. And he's on his, yeah, and he's just sort of naturally being drawn in the direction of the apartment building. And he's, and you know, the next few moments when he's headed there, he's looking up to the sky. Like there's something guiding him. And uh, I've always found that interesting. There's a shot of him walking away from the scene, uh, away from the camera while other actors and cars and everything are going towards yeah. the camera. 
and the uh, setting sun has the shadows of everything going towards the camera. Really cool looking shot, and the way that you, the the fact of like what's going on in this shot with the music and everything, and the fact that the other characters are like where is he is just so foreboding because yeah, you know where he's going. I think, Sean, when we were talking about the uh, song here, Magic, by Mick Smiley, you were saying that this, this song kind of gave you the spooks as a kid, right? Oh, yeah, and it really gets into it in the next minute when it really, really yeah. spooks me out. But, like, as a kid, like, it was just extremely unsettling. And it's perfect yeah. for the scene, but, ah. And the, the, this song is so weird because it's, like, two pieces. The first part of it's, like, this love song, and then the second yeah. half is this, like, eerie, unnerving, unsettling. Like, right in the <laughs> middle, it switches, too. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, it's, it's, it's if you listen to the whole thing, it's an instant switch, and it makes almost no sense. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's, but it's, it's a cool song, though. I do like it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange. So uh, we have a very strange cameo uh, in this moment. Did you guys know about this? No. Yeah. Uh, adult film star Ron oh, yeah. Jeremy can be seen when uh, Ray and uh, Winston arrive on the scene. He's on the left-hand side of the screen, very young, looking up into the sky, uh, much more attractive than he was like later in his career. But uh, <laughs> you're pretty yeah. familiar with his career. Uh, well, no, I have actually I have some friends who have done some work with Troma and have met Ron Jeremy, and they say that he is uh, he does a, a lot of like uh, I guess cameos in their movies, and uh, they would go to Cannes Film Festival, and he would always be there. And he's a narc. Uh, is it narcoleptic that falls asleep all the time? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a narcoleptic. So they would be talking to him in a room about what their media plan was for the day, and then they might turn for a minute to address, you know, like the next toxic Avenger or something, and they turn around and he'd just be like uh, passed out with like scripts and stuff. In his An hand. adult so, film star is a narcoleptic. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But, wow. Yeah. Strange guy. So, uh, but yeah. So the when they were shooting this scene too, and a lot of these scenes outside of the firehouse. This was Tribeca was not the uh, bastion of culture that it is right now. That you know, the center of the Tribeca Film Festival and everything. It was actually kind of a rundown area, and because of that, because of its kind of sea uh, atmosphere, Hill Street Blues shot a lot of their scenes here. And every day they were shooting in New York around the firehouse in Tribeca, they were running in to the film crew for Hill Street Blues as well. So you might have them shooting in front of the firehouse and just right around the corner, there's like a, a 1980s cop show being filmed. So, cool. Yeah. I have a, I have one more thing yeah. that's kind of just random about this scene. Um, weird costume thing. A, a lot of people don't notice it, but on the leg of the Ghostbusters jumpsuit costume, there's like this hose that sort of just comes out of the leg and then goes back into it. Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that. And I never really put a whole lot of thought into it, but that is bizarre. Right, nobody knows really what that's for. There's some early documents that suggest it's some sort of urine-catching system, but I think it's just there as a thing. But in this scene, Ray is asking who the key master is, and the first is the only time I've ever seen the hose detached. It's just kind of hanging oh. out there. I, I've never noticed it before. I still have no idea what the hose does, but this version of Ray's costume is a little weird. And later, he's wearing a very similar version of it in the court, like when they're in the jail. And the hose is like on the other side, wow. so like it's some weird costume stuff going on in these minutes. You know, he um, he's wearing his like uh, slacks underneath a jumpsuit. It's either really really hot or it's really cold there, and that's why he's you know dressing up like that. You know, to, to get to the scene uh, you, were, you were just talking about, when he comes in and he says, who's the key master? I thought that was really cool. I never caught that. Of course, you don't know who the key master is because he and Winston have been out of pocket busting ghosts all night while Egon has been back at the headquarters talking to Vince Clortho. That's the kind of thing that little addition that is put in that, you know, these characters weren't spatially in the same place. He wouldn't have any knowledge about the key master. That little... Little attention to detail, I think, is really what I've come to love about Ghostbusters during this experience and watching it minute by minute. 
They've been out all night, too. I didn't even think about it, but the scene when they're driving across the bridge, having that conversation about the end of the world, like, it's the middle of the night, and they're yeah. only just getting home now, and it's, like, sometime in the mid-morning. You know, and uh, speaking of Ray showing that he has clothes underneath the jumpsuit kind of uh, excuses the fact that Winston shows up outside of his, um, he's not wearing yeah, he's his, uh, off at that point. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I'm sure they stopped for breakfast somewhere, and he probably, you know, Winston well, they has are. enough sense to take the yeah. jumpsuit off. <laughs> they are coveralls, you know, and that's yeah. what people yeah. use them for. Yeah. So it makes sense. Uh, all right. Well, anything else for this minute? Say for me. I think that's awesome. all I got. Okay. Well, we're going to get into a real fun one tomorrow, minute number 69, which is a big uh, montage sequence. And we get to see kind of a ghost taking control of New York City. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, Sean, if, if you got the time, we'd love to have you back for tomorrow for minute number 69. I think I could do one more. Awesome. Well, for Sean, Brady, and myself, Kyle, we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.